to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I just, I just felt this in my spirit today. There's so much bad news, but I just want to tell you there's some good news. I'm tired of watching the news, reading the news apps because there's so much bad news. But let me just give you some good news. Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is alive and well. Jesus is still a savior. If you're in sin, he'll save you. He'll wash you. He'll cleanse you. He'll change your life, change the trajectory of your life. Uh, God is still on the throne. God is still in control. So we don't have to worry. We don't have to fret because he's got everything in the hollow of his hand. And and let me just tell you this. It seems like institutions that are usually so solid are being shaken right now, and that's very unnerving. But let me just tell you what the Bible says, that we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We're part of something. There's something in your life that that nothing can shake it. It's rock solid. How many of you are glad to be part of the kingdom of God today? All right, I want to preach a message I've entitled, If Only We'll Pray. If only we'll pray. And I've actually hit the wrong, wrong button here. So let me, let me get the right sermon up. I, I, I'm preaching an old sermon. Here we go. Second Chronicles chapter 7. When Solomon had finished praying, notice that he prayed. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Man, could you imagine that happening? And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord that had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for reverence the word this morning. So 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and chapter 7 contain the story of the dedication of Solomon's temple. Solomon had built this unbelievable house of God. It was incredible. You can read about it in the Old Testament. And after he finished building it, he overlaid everything in the temple with gold. Could you imagine? And so now they're dedicating this temple and Solomon praised this prayer. It was a powerful prayer and expressed Israel's belief that they had an anointed place in which to pray and to seek God. That's what excited him. Solomon said, it's not, it's not how expensive this place is. It isn't how beautiful and glorious this, glorious this building is. It isn't all the gold that is surrounding us. That's not what makes this place great. What makes this place great is that people of God can come here and cry out to God and God will hear us when we pray. Now, I just want to stop right here and go from many centuries ago to the 21st century, and I'm going to be a preacher and ask my congregation a question. How many of you will agree with me that God's house should be a place where we can seek his face? Would you all agree with me on that? I hope so. I mean, we know that this is supposed to be a place where if we don't do anything else, you can talk to Jesus. You can talk to Jesus and God hears your prayers and works in your life. Isaiah 56, 7, God said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. 
I went over to Matthew chapter 21, and I read where Jesus cleared the temple uh, of people who were, they had brought animals into the court of the Gentiles. They were selling sheep and birds and, and lambs for sacrifices, and there were money changers exchanging the regular currency for the temple currency, and Jesus rebuked them and was very upset about that because here's the reason why. They turned the, the, the house of God into a marketplace rather than a prayer place. How many of you know that's not the way it's supposed to work? And let me just show you, there was a lot of noise. There was a lot of commotion. There was a lot of, of superficial activity, but there was nothing spiritual that was happening. Nobody was praying. Nobody was praising. Nobody was worshiping. People weren't connecting with God. Now, I'm going to paint with a broad stroke. I'm not talking about our church this morning, thank God. But I do think that there is a problem in many churches today, and the problem is that the services that are being conducted on Sunday morning or any other time have a lot of noise, they got a lot of activity, and a lot of commotion, but nothing spiritual is happening. You, you go there, and, and it's happening, unfortunately, right now in churches all across America, and maybe right in this town. People are there out of commitment. People are there because that's a family church. People are there for, for a broad range of reasons, and they're going through the motions, and they're going through a format, and they're enduring a service, and when they get done, they go to mom and them's, and they eat supper, and that's the end of it. They went to church, but nothing happened in their life. Nothing touched their spirit. Nothing changed them. Nothing transformed them. There was nothing there that, 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 that affected them in a life-changing way. That's happening all over America. Could it be that too many churches are neglecting the most important thing, and that thing is prayer? Do you know there are churches that never give an altar call? There are churches that never give an altar invitation. There are churches that never have an altar service. Now, you know, we're Pentecostal. We like altar services. And, 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 and most of the time, and, you know, this COVID thing, we backed off a little bit. But most of the time, I got you down here in the altar. I like to get you in the altar because the altar is where man meets with God and God meets with man. And so we have altar services, and, and we'll, 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 we'll give you opportunities to pray and seek the Lord, and God will touch you, and prayer partners will be up here. They'll lay hands on you and pray for you, and, and God will minister to you. And sometimes God anoints me. I'm down there praying for you, and people will fall out under the power and the glory of God, and things are happening, and it gets exciting. Do you know there are churches that they have no idea what that's about? There are churches that if you went in and you tried to do that, it would freak them out. They don't understand that because they don't understand that you're supposed to be given an opportunity to seek the face of God because it is God who makes the difference. Listen, I'm all for singing. I love to sing. I'm a singing fool. I love to preach, and I'm all for preaching. I'm all for receiving the offerings. Every preacher will tell you that you need to get, to get the tithes and the offerings, right? And I'm all for fellowship, and I'm all for socializing. That's part of the dynamic of church. But, y'all, if anything else happens, the one thing that must happen is we must pray. The church must pray. We've got to get a hold of God. Why? Because when people pray, something is bound to happen. See, I know something. I know something because I've read the Bible. God will not ignore the cries of his people. God will not ignore your cry. When you cry out to God, he will show up and he will respond. 
I know this because of one of my favorite passages in the Bible, Psalm chapter 34, verse 15, and I read it again this week. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. Isn't that wonderful? That when you pray, God hears you. But then I went to verse 17, and I like it too. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and he delivers them out of all their troubles. I'm telling you, we better pray. We've got to pray. Sometimes we have to pray. And so when we pray, things happen. When will we learn that God isn't impressed by our music? God isn't impressed by my preaching. God isn't impressed by the singing. God isn't impressed by the talent that is within this church, this body. God isn't impressed with our facilities. When will he learn that God isn't concerned about the denomination that we're affiliated with? Y'all, God is in heaven. He is God. He's surrounded by perfection. He has angelic choirs that are singing praise to him in the most beautiful harmony, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He doesn't need to hear me preach his word to him. It's his word. He already knows it. Our facilities don't impress him. You go to heaven and what they've got up there outdoes anything we have down here. And there are no denominations in heaven, by the way. So he doesn't get hung up on that. There is one thing that gets God's attention, and that is when we pray. There is one thing that ushers his glory into our lives and into the sanctuary, and it is the sound of the prayers of his people. It's your prayers, and I'm talking about passionate prayer. I'm talking about heartfelt prayer. I'm talking about faith-filled prayer, and when we pray, something will happen. That's the promise of the word of God. And so Solomon prayed, and guess what? Things started happening. That's what we read. I want to show you what happened. The first thing that happened is that the supernatural occurred. The supernatural occurred. The Bible says that fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifices that were on the altar. Could you imagine being in church this morning and all of a sudden little, literal fire came out of the ceiling and fell? Wow, that would be crazy, wouldn't it? Well, it did that day. Now, I don't think God's going to do that. He can do whatever he wants, but we don't have any sacrifices for him to consume with fire. But I do want the supernatural to happen, don't you? I mean, I want to be in a church where the supernatural presence and power of God is something we experience. And I don't want it to be the exception. I want it to be the norm. I want, look, if he's a supernatural God, he ought to do supernatural things, right? Isn't it amazing how we serve a supernatural God, but we want, him to, we want him to operate in ways that are natural to us. But it doesn't work that way. He's God. And, you know, I know that some people get a little unnerved by the supernatural. Some people don't like the supernatural, and that's one of the reasons. It scares them. It intimidates them. It unnerves them. You start talking about people speaking in a heavenly language or you talking about people operating in the power of God and they back off. They say, ooh, I don't know about that. And then there are some people that don't like it, especially preachers. They don't like the supernatural because they can't control it. Yeah, they can't control it. They, they want to outline that sermon. They want to format that, that service. And they're going to say, we're going to do it this way, this way, this way, this way. And they expect everybody to do their part. And when they start and they finish, if they get done, they think they've had a good church service. Meanwhile, God's sitting there the whole time going, excuse me, I'm, I'm trying to wedge my way. Could, could you let me in? Is there any way? Can I get in over this point? And we say no. Because man wants, man wants to control it. We want to keep it in the natural 
not in the supernatural. And then there are some people that are not comfortable with the supernatural just because they don't understand it. And that, that's something that you could say, you know what, I can identify with that. I can see how that could affect you. But I'm just here to tell you the church needs to pray for the supernatural. We need to expect the supernatural. And listen, you're in a Pentecostal church, and we are a church that believes in the supernatural activity of God in these modern times. That's why we preach and believe in the baptism with the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in a heavenly language. Other tongues as the Spirit gives you the words to say. That's supernatural, okay? And we need to pray for it, and we need to pray that things that are, that are of God will take place in this house. And if we will pray, if only we will pray, here's what will happen. The gifts of the Spirit will operate in our church and even in your life. People will operate in the gift of wisdom and the word of knowledge. And uh, I, I always think, when I think about the word of knowledge, I was doing a, a youth camp. I was in a teenage youth camp dealing with older teens. And I was on the stage. I had preached. And now I was, I was ministering. I actually had a prayer line that night. Kids were lined up. And as they'd come through, I'd lay hands on them and pray for them. And they were experiencing the supernatural power of God. I remember this one young lady. I didn't know her. She was a camper. I was just a guest speaker. She came up. And the Holy Spirit showed me things about her. And I began to speak words of knowledge into her life and calling things out, y'all, that 16-year-old that girl, however she, she started backing up from me like this on the stage. I said, come here, where are you going? She said, uh-uh, you're terrifying me. I said, why? She said, you don't know me and I don't know you. How do you know all that? You can't know all that about me. How do you know that? I said, come here, don't back out of the presence of God. Get back up in it because I don't know you, but God knows who you are and he told me these things about you, not to embarrass you or not to discourage you, but to let you know no, he's got an answer and he wants to touch you and he wants to do something powerful in your life. See, people say, I don't understand all that. That's because it's supernatural. But if we'll pray, we'll see the miracles. We'll see the healings. We'll operate in faith. We'll have messages and tongues and interpretation and prophecies that will edify the church. But it'll only happen if we pray. If the church will pray, we'll see miracles, signs, and wonders. If we'll pray, there'll be There'll be fire in this house, not the fire that falls from heaven, but that fire in our souls. Let me tell you something. If you don't pray, I'm just going to speak plain and drive all the English teachers crazy. You ain't got the fire. Praying people got fire. You hear me? You, you, you only got the fire when you pray. People who pray and stay in touch with God have the fire of God. And if we will pray, let me tell you what will happen in your life. If you pray, God will put a fire in you and he'll put a fire under the devil. The problem in the church is the devil's got too much fire going on in him and the church feels like it's under the fire. We need to turn that around and get a hold of Jesus. And if we will, God will put a fire in us. And anytime God starts firing up his people, hell gets nervous. The devil gets nervous because you get a bunch of fired up, spirit-filled people, get on the move on a mission for God, it will tear up the devil's kingdom every time. I'm telling you, if we pray, supernatural things will happen. You know, I get asked this through the years, and it's a good question. And every generation that comes along of young adults asks this question, and it needs to be asked. Why aren't there more miracles? I can't tell you the times I've been asked that. Pastor, why aren't we seeing miracles? I hear about miracles in Africa. I hear about miracles in Central and South America and on the mission field. Uh, but why don't we ever have miracles in America? Why don't we have miracles? And they act like there aren't any miracles. 
Why I hear my grandfather talk about miracles. My grandmother, my mom and dad had told me stories of miracles. And I think, by the way, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, we need to be telling the stories. I think we need to tell the stories. Don't, don't, don't hold the stories back from Tell them the stories because it will make them hungry because they'll say, I want, I want in my generation what you had in your generation. I remember my mom and dad telling me about how they pastored a church in Winfield, Kansas. Y'all, I was born in Winfield, Kansas. Don't even ask me where it's at. I couldn't take you there if you wanted me to. I'd have to get on Google Maps. I don't know. We lived there six months and I moved. And I don't remember a whole lot from six months. But we lived there, and my mom and dad took a church of God that had closed. It didn't have a congregation. They had a building, but it had closed up. And my mom and dad took it. They were in their early 20s. And dad said, I'll take it, and we'll see if we can revive it. So he's going out in the community trying to win people back into the church. Meanwhile, they got to eat. But there aren't any tithes and offerings coming in. And my mom and dad have told me the story of how they've sat around the kitchen table with the cupboards empty and the refrigerator empty and nothing to eat, crying. And they would hold hands and they pray and they say, God, we don't have anything to eat. We don't have any money. We need you to come through for us. And dad said there'd be a knock at the door and they'd go to the door and some stranger would say, are you the preacher here at the Winfield Church of God? Dad said, yes. He said, well, I was praying. And while I was praying, God told me to go buy groceries and take it over to the preacher at the Winfield Church of God and I wanted to bring or they'd come home and there'd be groceries there'd be groceries stacked up against the door you see those are the miracles that I got told but I'm telling you we, I want to see miracles in our time don't you but here's the question we don't need to be asking why aren't there more miracles maybe what we need to be asking is why aren't we praying more because if we pray for the miracles and start believing for the miracles and trusting God for his presence and power we'd see things happen in our lives and in this church Come Come on, somebody give him praise. Do you believe that this morning? You better because it's true. If you want the power of God, you got to pray. So the supernatural was revealed. The second thing that I see in this text is that the manifested power of God was revealed. The manifested power of God was revealed. The, the Bible says the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And if you go to chapter 6, the glory of the Lord was manifested like a cloud. So a cloud. Could you imagine? Because we've got air conditioning here and vents and it's sucking in air and putting out, you know, filtering that air and putting air back out. But could you imagine? If, well, you, you say, well, every Sunday, Pastor, y'all got that machine up here. There is a cloud in here. Well, that's the wrong kind of cloud. That little cloud just helps the light beams to show better. It's just, a, it's just a little side thing, and it works good. But that's not the cloud I'm talking about. What if right now, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost just talking about it. Whoo! What if right now the glory of the Lord filled this place with a cloud? And I'm not talking about there weren't pockets of glory here and there. It says it filled, it permeated the temple. What if it just started in the back, Joey, back there with you and Angela, and, and you all of a sudden the glory of the Lord just came over you and your family in that row. It just made its way all the way up here to the front, came up here on the stage, and then it just went over here to this side all the way to the door, and this side all the way to the door to the ceiling, and this whole place was filled with a cloud that was the divine glory of God right now. Good Lord, think of what would happen in this place. See, that's what I'm talking about. God loves to show up 
with his people in the sanctuary, and he loves to show forth his glory. Now, does he do it in a cloud? It's not real common, though I have heard stories of it happening in some places in modern times where they said the cloud would fill the church. It happens. But, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is that thing that recognizes God to us. It's that thing that identifies God. It's his manifested presence. It's his manifested power. It's sometimes felt. It's sometimes seen, y'all, what is the glory. It's how God makes himself known to us. And for far too long, I think in a lot of churches, we focused on the wrong glory. I've seen some churches all wrapped up on their own glory. We're the first this of Anderson, and we're the oldest this of Anderson, and, and we're the biggest this, and we've got more of this, and we've done more of this, and we're the most prestigious this, and, and they want to talk about their glory as if that glory of the church is what matters more than anything. And then sometimes the focus gets on the pastor. We got the right reverend Dr. So-and-so that is our pastor. And he's got this and degree and this degree. And he pastored this church and this church. And he's done this. And he's connected with this and all the people in the community. And he's this. And when he preaches, oh, he's wonderful. Or we've got a pastor that's hip and he's cool and he wears skinny jeans and, and he's got holes in them. And I want to go buy him a new pair. But he says, no, that's in style. And he, he's really relevant. And, he, and he's just, he's in tune and he's so wonderful. And we just love him so much and you see what I'm saying we get we get we get all wrapped up in the glory of the man sometimes we get wrapped up in the glory of the top tithe giver well you know Mr. So-and-so Mrs. So-and-so title so-and-so goes to our church and they you know they give a lot of money to our church we really think a lot of them and then sometimes, and, and again, this can happen especially in smaller churches. you got that one person that's probably not only the top tithe giver, but he's also the most influential person in the church. Sometimes it's the grandfather because, you know, they're small churches. Everybody in the church is related. So it doesn't matter who the preacher is. It's whatever grandpa says. They'll have a meeting. The preacher says, we're going to take a vote, and everybody looks at grandpa. What do we do? Vote it down. Preacher's just standing there with his hands up. See, because a man's got the glory. The church has got the glory. And let me tell you this something this morning. That's not the glory that's going to make things happen in your church. Because the pastor and the top giver or the power broker won't bring revival. They won't save a soul. They won't restore a backslider. They're not going to bring revival to your church. They're not going to bring healing of cancer to somebody. They can't fill you with the Holy Spirit. They can't flood your soul with hope. Listen to me. What I'm trying to tell you is these things will only happen when the glory of God is in your church. When and God is glorified. Come on, if I died right now, it'd still be Jesus' church. If the top five tithe payers left, God would just send five more to take their place. There aren't any power brokers in this house. There's only one with all power and all glory, and his name is Jesus Christ. He needs to be recognized. He needs to be glorified. He needs to be lifted up. That's our job. Why is this so important? Because the glory... Is what makes the difference. And by the way, the glory will interrupt the service and change the format. I like it. Okay, I like it when the glory falls. If we don't have the glory fall, I get nervous. Now, we have a format. 
The Bible says that all things should be done in decency and in order. If you didn't know the answer, that's what the Bible says. So you ought to have a format. I've, seen, I've been in some churches where they winged it from the beginning to the end. Made me nervous. That winging it stuff, you, fleshy stuff can happen. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so, but you got to have order. But listen, there are times when God says, mm, I believe I want to do something today a little bit more than normal. I want to reveal myself in this service. I'm stepping in right here. Y'all need to move aside. And if the preacher's smart, he'll move aside and say, Lord, have your way. And sometimes Pastor Billy's here on the keyboard, and they've still got two songs to go or one song to go, but they're, they're singing this one, and I mean, you can feel it. God's, God's moving. The supernatural's happening. The Holy Spirit is moving. You can tell God's saying, listen, I want to move in this house. I want to touch some people. And that's where Pastor Billy has to say, he has to say, hold on. I know we got another song, but we're going to stay right here. We're going to sing this one again, and, and, and then we got to flow with it. Sometimes you have to say, the preacher has to close his Bible and say, I got to sermon, but you know what? I can preach it next Sunday, get to this altar, because somebody needs a touch from God, and the Holy Spirit is here. That's what happens when the glory falls. I like that. Now, you can't have it all the time. When I was growing up, we had a little saying, boy, we had a good church service last night. We had a good church service Sunday morning. What happened? There was no preaching. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Man, we had church. Really, what happened? There wasn't any preaching. Now, that doesn't mean that if there's preaching, you can't have good church. But what that meant was that was code for God showed up in an extra powerful way and started moving, and the preacher shut his Bible and said, mm, tonight's not about preaching. Tonight's about letting God be God and meet your needs. Y'all get on down to this altar. People would stream to the altar, and the Holy Spirit would move, and we'd sing Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. If you need the Holy Ghost, tell him what you want. If you want salvation, tell him what you want. If you want a healing, tell him what you want. We'd sing those old songs. We don't sing them anymore. It's okay, we got new ones to replace them. But the point is, we say we're going to sing the songs that build your faith because if you need to be healed, saved, delivered, need the Holy Ghost, God's glory is here and God is moving. Just let him touch you in this place. Yeah. My God, we need more of that in the church, don't we? Aren't you hungry for it? Just makes you hungry for it, doesn't it? They're called divine interruptions. And listen, God can interrupt our services anytime he wants to. And sometimes he uses you. I've seen sometimes where a member couldn't stand it, couldn't stand it. We were up here singing and said, I got to get to the altar. Now, sometimes they'll come and they'll be the only one. They'll pray and God will touch them and they'll go back. But I've seen sometimes where one will come and another and another and another. And the next thing you know, there's an en masse move to the altar. And people just get in the presence of God. You need to know you have the liberty to do that. Oh, I could preach for an hour. I got to quit. I've seen preachers quench the move of God. I have. I've seen it. I remember one time I was in a South Carolina camp meeting many, 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 many years ago. 
choir had just finished singing a song, and I'm talking about two, 3,000 people in that auditorium in Malden, South Carolina. The presence and the power of God was so real, you could almost touch it. I mean, God was moving. People were worshiping. People were rejoicing. And any preacher there with sense, spiritual sense knew that what needed to happen was they needed to give it to the evangelist. The evangelist needed to get up and say, I know you brought me here tonight to preach, but I'm not preaching. Get to this altar right now. God is moving. He should have had a prayer line, went down there and prayed for people. That's what should have happened. But no, the minister at that point who got up at that time, he was not the evangelist, but who had his point in the service, was, was, was re- responsible to receive an offering for the state overseer. And in his mind, he had to get that offering. And he's up there trying to talk, and people are shouting and rejoicing, and you could feel that he's pushing against the Holy Ghost. And it was grieving, we preachers, and grieving the people. And it's like, don't do this. And he just pushed through because he had the mic and it was louder. And he squelched it and he quenched it and he just kept going. And all of a sudden, there was a message in tongues and then an interpretation. And the message was, God said, no one. I will share my glory with no one. State overseer should have walked up and said, brother, that's all right. Go sit down. I don't need an offering. You need to move. You need the move of God. Come to this altar right now. That's what should have happened. See, it's about control. Y'all hearing this preacher this morning? I've I've seen it. I know it's happened. Singers, singers will be up singing, and the Lord will move, and the Holy Spirit will move. People will start getting blessed and coming up because the other person's singing. And they're scheduled to sing the next song behind them, but they don't get to sing because God starts moving on that one, and then they get jealous. Now, that's a carnality problem right there. Do you know there are shallow church members who if their pastor yields to the Holy Spirit, God begins to move and the glory of God's fallen and they yield to that. They will talk to that pastor later and say, you embarrassed us. How dare you do what you did? Do not do that here. We had guests. What do you think they thought? That's an embarrassment. What if it gets out in the community that we act like this, that we shout and we rejoice and people are running the aisles and falling out under the power and we act like this. We need to have form and function around here. Don't you do that. That's embarrassing. Listen, here's the devil's lie. The devil's lie is the glory will hurt church growth. The devil's lie is that the glory will threaten the finances, that the top givers will stop giving The devil's lie is that the glory will turn away the visitors and they won't come back, you know, because the glory of God's here. The devil's lie is that if you let the glory of God fall in the church, it'll create the wrong impression of your church. But you better hear me this morning. If you eliminate the glory of God in your church, you will kill your church. Solomon built this temple. This beautiful edifice, this wonderful, magnificent structure of ancient times with all everything overlaid with pure gold. 
but he prayed for the glory to come, and the glory filled that temple. But time went on, and Israel stopped praying, and Israel got carnal, and Israel got sinful, and they got away from God, and they started going after other gods. And you know what happened? You read this in the book of Ezekiel. The day came when Ezekiel had a vision, and he saw God's glory in the temple, but it came up out of the temple, and it left the temple area, and it left the city of Jerusalem, and the temple of God departed. And there's a word for that. It's called Ichabod. Anybody ever heard of Ichabod Crane, the headless horseman? They love to tell that story at Halloween, right? And they tell that story about the headless horseman and that skinny school teacher named Ichabod Crane. Well, guess what? He got his name Ichabod because his parents got it from the Bible. It's a Hebrew name. It's a Hebrew word, and it means no more glory. It means the glory of the Lord has left and it's not around anymore. And when you stop letting God be God in your church, you might as well go buy you the prettiest neon sign that you can find and hang it up and light it out in front of the church and let it just simply say Ichabod because that means in this church, don't worry about it, there's no more glory in this place. You, you, you remove the glory, and here's what will happen. There'll be dead church services. You'll have lifeless worship. There'll be the absence of salvations. Everything will be superficial. You'll have the form of godliness, but you will have denied the power thereof. Here's what I'm preaching today. If you're just wondering what I'm trying to do, God told me, God told me when I was praying this week, come to church and tell my people to pray. That's what I'm here doing today. God said, I want you to preach on prayer and God took me over to this passage. So here's what I'm trying to say to you this morning. We need to pray. And if we'll just pray, y'all, if we'll get serious about prayer, the power of God will be revealed in our church and the glory will fall in our church. And I'm gonna tell you the truth, not the devil's lies. If we'll do this, people will come and visitors will stay and the top givers will keep on giving and more money will come than you've ever realized and you won't have the wrong impression, but everybody in town, I don't know. That's a church where if you want to experience God, you ought to go to high praises because every Sunday when you go there, you feel the manifested presence and power of God. That's a reputation I want us to have. Hallelujah. We got to pray. If we'd only pray, if only we'll pray, man, things will start happening, not just in our church, but in our lives. Here's the last thing, and I'm closing with this. The Bible says that when they prayed and they saw the supernatural power of God and the glory fell, I don't know if this is really a reaction so much to prayer, but it was to the glory, but yet it still came out of prayer. It says the people bowed down on their faces and they worshiped and they praised the Lord. They prayed. And the glory fell and the supernatural power of God was in the service and the people would not just stand idly by. Passivity gave way to activity. Whew. If you pray, by the way, it'll help your prayer, praise life. Praisers, prayers are good praisers. Prayers are good worshipers because they've spent time with Jesus. If you'll praise them and worship during your prayer time in private, when you get in here, nobody has to tell you to lift your hands. You come in with them ready to go up. 
Nobody has to tell you here, here's what we want you to focus on and sing about Jesus because you say, oh, no, I've been talking to him all week. I know all about him. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you've been good to me this week, Lord. Nobody has to pump and prime you because you've been with him all week long. Now, I like it when the glory falls on the whole church. I do. I like it when God begins to move. But realistically, that doesn't happen every week. It doesn't happen every week where, where everybody just moves in mass and we have this divine interruption and just like what happened. It doesn't happen every week, okay? But listen to me. It can happen every week to you. In other words, you can have your own moment of glory every Sunday if you want to. It may not fall on the person next to you, but if it falls on you, Go ahead and respond. If the glory of God begins to stir on you, you feel in the power of God, throw your hands up. Shout hallelujah. Clap, clap your hands. Sometimes while they're singing over there, I clap my hands. Hallelujah. You say, but you're a preacher. You're supposed to do that. Don't you do that to yourself. I'm a child of God. I'm a preacher, I preach, but as a child of God, I praise. If I wasn't a preacher, I'd still praise him. I'd still worship him. I'd still clap my hands and give him glory and give him honor and give him praise. If you're sitting in this service and some glory gets on, the, on you, well, nobody else is feeling the glory, just go ahead and you respond to the glory because it might be while God's moving on you, some of it might spill over to your husband, your wife, your kids, the person in front of you, behind you. The next, next thing you know, the whole section... He's having a glory moment. Woo. Y'all don't know what to do right now. Bless your heart. Don't warm yourself off of somebody else's fire. Get your own fire. Come on, I said get your own fire. Some of you say, I'll praise and worship when 25 other people start praising and worship. No, just what you don't need. All you need is one. That's Jesus. And when you get your own fire, that Peter Peter got in that courtyard and was warming his hands off of somebody else's fire. But he was around the wrong fire. You you can't you can't you can't get somebody else's fire. You gotta pray. If we just pray, we get our own fire. And when you got your own fire and your own touch, then you don't have to worry about what anybody else is doing. You can have your own glorious moment with Jesus every Sunday morning. Well, if all of us would do that, guess what? We'd probably have one of those glorious in mass moments because we come in ready for a touch from God. You know, if a celebrity walked in here right now, I would have to give that celebrity some kind of recognition, especially depending on who that celebrity was. If the general overseer, Tim Hill of the Church of God, dropped in unexpectedly, I must pre preach plain, I'd be an idiot not to recognize the general overseer. He is my bishop, the top bishop. I would have to give him, I would, matter of fact, I'd bring him up here and hand him the mic and and have him greet you and halfway ask him if he wanted to preach because he's a preaching machine. He'd probably tell me no, but that's how he'd do. But 
He's preached here before. But I would have to give him recognition. And I would have to talk about what a great man he is and leads a denomination of, where are we at now, Billy? Somewhere around 8 million, 7, 8 million members worldwide in our denomination. But I talk about if Governor McMaster's walked in here, I couldn't go through a whole service and not, I'd have to recognize him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I want you to affiliation doesn't matter. Have him if greet the you and the United States. If the if the limousines and the black suburbans all pulled up and Secret Service agents started spreading across the room, and next thing you know, the president walked in. And I'm not just talking about Donald J. Trump. I don't. If it had been Barack Obama or whoever it is, it doesn't matter about their political affiliation. It has to do with the office. It has to do with the position. The president of the United States. Whether I agreed with him or not, I'd still have to recognize the fact that the president in the United States was in this place. I would have to recognize him and give him recognition and honor him and give him the glory that is due his office. As a matter of fact, if, if they walked in right now, the governor or the president walked in, you couldn't just sit there. There's protocol. There's an understanding that when an official like that comes in, we stand up, we clap our hands, we give them an applause, we give them a standing ovation because of who they are. Listen to me this morning. There is one greater than Governor McMaster's in this house every week. There's one greater than Donald J. Trump. There's one greater than Oprah or LeBron James or any other Hollywood actor or actress. He saved your soul. He changed your life. He answers your prayers. He does great things for you. His name is Jesus and I wish you'd stand up right now and give him a standing ovation and shout and give him praise in this house. Put your hands together. He's worthy. Come on. He's, he says, not here. Yes, he is. He's in the midst. He's in your midst. Worship him and praise him. Hallelujah. Woo. My God, you ought to feel some glory on you right now. Come on. I said you ought to feel some glory on you right now. The healer's in the house. The savior's in the house. The deliverer's in the house. The waymaker's in the house. The miracle worker's in the house. Come on, worship him and give him praise. Hey, hallelujah. Just remain standing, I'm finished. I knew I wasn't gonna get this sermon done and this service in an hour. Somebody say, Pastor, how can I feel the glory? I want to feel the glory, Pastor. Oh, you got me fired up now, Pastor. I want to feel the glory. You know, if you'll only pray, you'll feel the glory. But do something a little bit more. Just think about him. Don't just pray a prayer that's just a rote prayer. Think about him. Tell him how wonderful he is. I think a couple weeks ago we sang, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me. Y'all remember when he saved you? When I think about the Lord, how he raised me. I was so down, but he picked me up. How he filled me with the Holy Ghost. Woo, I told you my story not too long ago, nine years old. He baptized me with the Holy Ghost in a kid's crusade. How he healed me to the uttermost. I remember when I was nine years old, 
got a skateboard Sunday afternoon. My dad put that thing on you that parents do. Don't go out there and ride that thing. You'll break your arm. Guess what I did? I went out there and broke my arm. Broke both bones and this top bone jumped on top of this bone. They rushed me to the hospital. Doctor tried to sit it. They took x-rays. Wasn't set. Came back out again. Doctor tried to set it. And I remember him saying distinctly, I don't think I've got it right. We're going to have to do surgery. But take him back and check it one more time. They had an unusually busy Sunday afternoon at the ER in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, they wheeled me out in a gurney in the hallway. And a little 10-year-old boy filled with the Holy Ghost started praying and I said God I know you can do anything and you can heal me I want you to heal my arm I don't want to have surgery and after I prayed that I fell asleep on a gurney in the hallway in an emergency room why would you fall asleep I'll tell you why I'm convinced this day that God put me under my own general anesthesia and an angel came along and fixed that bone where the doctor couldn't because they wheeled me in there took x-rays and when they took me back in for the third time he popped him up and said, well, what about that? I didn't think I got it, but it's all lined up. Put him in a cast and send him home. Don't tell me that God doesn't answer prayer. You can be 10 years old and pray and know the presence and power and glory of God. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.